0: If you're visiting, as always, we encourage you to come back. We're so thankful that you've chosen to come our way today. We hope that what is said and done here today will be beneficial to you as you live here upon this earth. And we're very grateful for all the great blessings and favors that we enjoy in Christ. I think about the words of James when he said, Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above. And so God is the dispenser of all the blessings and favors that we enjoy in this life. I do want to just very quickly say we will meet again this afternoon at 1 p.m. We had a good number come back last Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock. We would love to exceed the number that we had last week. We had 202 come back, and so please come back, go home, get some lunch, or go to the restaurant, or maybe go get some cardio in, whatever, and get back here at 1 o'clock. And guess what? I'm not going to have to try to encourage you to come back and miss the Super Bowl tonight. And so you will have that opportunity if if you're so inclined. All right, we're looking at Ephesians chapter 5 in our study together today, and we're going to be talking about the importance of walking in wisdom. Wisdom is a very important trait that all of us need in our daily lives. As a matter of fact... Knowledge is the assimilation of facts and information. Wisdom, however, is knowing how to use or possess the information that we have. And you remember James said, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. So we want to be wise in how we live in this world. And there are a lot of things that quite possibly tug at our Coattails. And there are things that happen in this life that if we're not careful, we lose sight of walking in wisdom. So there are two things I want to share with you. This afternoon at 1 o'clock, we're going to talk a little bit more about wisdom. But for the sake of our study this morning, let's think for a minute or two about walking in wisdom. And number one, we need to be wise with our time. We want to be wise when it comes to our time. Now, I don't have to tell you that time is compared to a vapor. It appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Time is accelerating. It seems to, at least it seems to me as I get older in life. I know that time is the same for everybody, but it just seems like as you get older, time literally flies by. So what about time? Well, there are two possibilities. Number one... We could potentially mismanage our time. The flip side of that is we can learn to manage our time. Do you remember what the psalmist said in Psalm 90, Moses, the writer there? And Moses talked about how we might live to be 70 or 80 years of age. But he said, it's soon cut off and we fly away. But then down in verse 12, the psalmist, Moses would say, teach us to number our days. So to live with an understanding that we need to, the best of our ability, to manage our time. To exercise care and caution when it comes to our time. So what are the possibilities when it comes to mismanaging our time? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is there is always the possibility that we can waste time. Do you remember in Luke 15, Jesus told the story of the prodigal son. And you remember after having asked for his inheritance, the Bible says that he went out into a far country and there wasted his substance with profligate living. The word profligate denotes to waste. Now we understand what it means to waste our monetary possessions. We understand something about not being good stewards of our money and our finances, etc. But what about when it comes to our time? Time is a very important, it's a very precious commodity, isn't it? Now, you, you know, you have the opportunity to make money on a daily basis if you have a job. And you can manufacture a lot of money, but you can't manufacture time, can you? 24 hours in a day. And listen, what is wasted is just that. It's wasted. You can never reclaim it. And so there's always the possibility of wasting our time. We don't want to be be guilty of that. Now, Paul said that we are to exercise care as we walk here upon this earth. Not as fools, but as wise. He said, redeeming the time or making the most of our time as the New American Standard Version would render it. So there is the possibility of wasting our time. But then there's also another thought. And that is, we can become so preoccupied with the things of this life that we forget about what's really important in this day and time. You remember in Luke chapter 10, Jesus was in the home of Mary and Martha. And Martha was discouraged because Mary wasn't helping her. And Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and concerned about many things. Sometimes it's as if we have so many things on our plate. We're so preoccupied with the various responsibilities that we have in life, we forget about what's really important, don't we? And so to understand, there's always that danger of the preoccupation of life. But then what about procrastination? Do you ever find yourself procrastinating, Procrastinating, engaging in activities that maybe you dread, you don't want to... You don't, want to, you don't want to do it, and so you just put it on the back burner. I would imagine that many of us, we fight that temptation, don't we? Those of you that are school teachers, I would assume that you have to battle sometimes with your students. You assign a test or you assign a paper, and then as time grows close to the due date, what happens? You have students that say, well, you know what? I'm running a little bit late. I'm just now getting started. And so the danger of procrastinating in the book of Haggai many years ago. Haggai was one of the prophets that God called upon to encourage his people to finish the project that they had started some 16 years earlier. Well, what was that? It was the temple. They had returned back from Babylonian captivity. Under the edict of Cyrus, they had been allowed to go back home and to begin rebuilding the temple. And yet what happened was, they began to settle. And they forgot about the importance of finishing the project at hand. And so Haggai was used by God to stir the people up. Why? Because they procrastinated. Now, there's a second thing I want to share with you. First, we talk about the mismanagement of time, but then there is the management of time. Three things here. Number one, it's my conviction that we need to learn to prioritize. So number one, to determine what's the most important thing that I need to take care of today. And I have no control over tomorrow, do you? Don't have any control over next week, next month, next year. Now, I can plan. I can make preparation for tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, whatever. But I can't, I'm not guaranteed I'm going to be here tomorrow. So I've got to prioritize my life daily. Think about Jesus. You remember in John chapter 9, Jesus certainly understood that the cross lay before Him. And he said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. For the night is coming when no man can work. That's found in John 9, verse 4. What the Lord was saying is, here is my top priority. My top number one priority is to finish the course that God has given me. I'm here to do one thing, that is to die for the sins of the human family. And nothing is going to disrupt that priority in my life. Now, are there obstacles that I'm going to face? Absolutely. Are there going to be things that will sometimes interfere with what I'm doing in life and cause me to maybe lose focus? Well, that's a possibility. But to prioritize. And then secondly, not only must we prioritize, but we must organize When you think about the life of Jesus, do you think the Lord Jesus got up every day and just haphazardly went about His duties? Or do you think that there was a sense of order or organization to what He was doing? I think that the Lord Jesus, I think He was incredibly organized when it came to His time and the things that he was doing. He understood that he had a very limited amount of time to engage in the work of the Father. And so as we might say, every minute of every hour of every day had to count for something. Now if you're not careful, you can become so disorganized that you lose sight of your priority and you get nothing done in this life. And that happens sometimes. In the book of Acts, in chapter 6, we read about the Apostles and their role in the New Testament church. And you remember one of the problems that arose in the first century, the Bible tells us that the Grecian widows were being neglected. And so the Apostles put before the church the importance of organization. In other words, we've got to decide upon some men that can fulfill This role, this task. Why? Because we have to give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. That's not saying that the apostles were too good to engage in benevolent work. But I think what the Bible is saying there is they had a very specific task. And so because they had the role of spiritual training and teaching, they needed to identify some men that could fulfill that void that had occurred in the first century. So, prioritize. And then, secondly, organize, but then there's a third thing. Maximize. I want to ask you something. Are you maximizing every minute of every hour of every day? You know, there are a lot of things that maybe we engage in. They're not necessarily wrong. They're not necessarily right. But there are things that develop into habits that if we're not careful can cause us to lose sight of what we need to be doing. Let me give you a couple of examples. I read this week that the average person opens his or her phone 100 times in a day. Would you fall into that category? Are you constantly checking your phone? Now look, it's not just checking our phone, but what about social media? How much time do you spend on social media? I'm not against social media. I don't use it, but I'm not against it. But I do know this. You can get so caught up posting things on Facebook and other forms of social media, that that's all you do during the day, and you waste a lot of important time. Let me tell you what, there's a lot of stuff on social media that is posted by members of the body of Christ that, quite frankly, shouldn't be posted. What it says is, we're thinking about worldly things rather than spiritual things. So, your phone. Now today, the phone's an amazing piece of machinery, isn't it? Because you can check your email, you can text, you can do a lot of things. And I appreciate having a phone, I appreciate having the ability to do those things, but what I'm saying is, if we're not careful, that can deter us from engaging in productive activities in this life. So what about maximizing your time? Years ago, I remember Brother Alan Hires, who preached for the Germantown congregation as well as Getwell, said, in four years, I've got to be somewhere, so what I need to do is get a law degree. And so he said, in four years, I'm going to be somewhere, might as well have a degree. That's just one example. But to maximize the time that you have to use it productively, So, prioritize, organize, and maximize. That's really what Paul's saying here. He's saying, you make the most of your time. Now, there's a second thought that I want to share. First, we talk about exercising wisdom when it comes to our time. But then secondly, to exercise wisdom when it comes to our tour. And by that, I mean our tour on earth. Sometimes you hear about... You hear about musicians, entertainers, and their own tour. Well, you're on tour. You're on the tour of life. And so what you want to do is make sure that the time that you have on planet Earth is used successfully and productively. So, how so? Number one, I want to encourage us to prioritize To remember what's important. Number one, what's the most important thing in my life? Would it not be my faith? Isn't that before everything else? Didn't Jesus say, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness? That little word first there means before anything else. I think what the Lord is saying is when it comes to priority, There is nothing more important than my faith. Now the Bible tells us that we walk by faith and not by sight. And what we're trying to do is grow our faith, to develop our faith so so that we are stronger in the faith. Well, if that's going to be accomplished, then it's going to necessitate me understanding how to grow that faith. So, Again, we go back to prioritizing and organizing and maximizing. How much time do you have set aside every morning or every evening to grow your faith? How much time? Do you have a certain time every day that you sit down and you read from the Word of God? And you just chew on the Scriptures. Remember what the psalmist said? His delight was in the law of the Lord. On that law he meditated day and night. So are you spending time reading and studying the Word of God? You want God to speak to you, you need to open His Word. And ultimately, God needs to have the last say in life, doesn't He? God needs to be the one that's directing my steps. Jeremiah talked about it's not in man that walks to direct his own steps. If that's the case, I need divine guidance. The psalmist said, your words, a lamp to my feet, a light unto my pathway. So how much time are you spending nourishing your faith? You spending time in the Word of God? Didn't Peter say to grow in grace and knowledge? And didn't Peter say, as a newborn baby, desire the sincere milk of the Word, that you might do what? Grow. What about Jesus in Matthew 4? Tempted by the devil. Remember that? And Jesus said, quoting Moses in the book of Deuteronomy, He said, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Paul talks about exercising ourselves unto godliness. Emphasizing that spiritual man, the inner man, to try to grow my faith. So number one, I've got to have a rock-solid faith, and I've got to nourish that faith. I need to spend time in prayer, don't I? Do you find yourself praying through the day? Paul said, pray without ceasing. Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer to the Father, didn't He? And if He is our role model, as Peter would say in 1 Peter chapter 2, if the Lord Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer to the Father, what does that say to me? If I'm trying to live as Christ lived, if I'm trying to develop the mind of Christ, don't I need to be spending time in prayer to God, asking God to bless me? So help me as I try to increase my faith in Him. The apostles on one occasion said, Lord, increase our faith. Your faith will never increase if you don't spend some time trying to nourish it. I imagine all of us, we eat well, don't we? Most of us eat at least twice, maybe three times a day. might be you just eat one time a day. But the point is, you always eat something, don't you? Why? Why do you spend time at the breakfast table or lunch table or dinner table? I can tell you why. Number one, because you're hungry. And number two, because you need the energy that comes from food. So, if that's the case, If we require nourishment, nutrients, to give us strength physically, then we need nourishment spiritually, don't we? Didn't the Apostle Paul say godliness with contentment is great gain? Sometimes as members of the body of Christ, we are discontent, dissatisfied. One of the reasons is because we haven't learned to be content and we haven't learned the secret to contentment. It's a godly life. Number two, your family. Number one, faith. But number two, your family. If I'm going to prioritize my life on the the very top of the list is my faith. And right underneath that is my family. How many parents are here today? Grandparents. When you welcome a child into your home, did you know that for about 18 years you have them under your table? 18 years equates to about 6,500 hours. Once your children leave for college, in all probability, they're not coming back home. And so, the training and the nurturing that they receive in the home is incredibly important, isn't it? You're trying to insulate your children from the world. You're trying to help them to develop a faith in God so that when they leave home, they can fly solo. Here's what the psalmist said. Except the Lord build the house, those who labor, labor in vain. To build our home on the Lord To try to live as a Christian mother, a Christian father, a Christian wife, a Christian husband. It might be that I'm a single parent in the faith. And I'm trying to help navigate my children's life. But what I'm doing is pointing them in the direction of heaven. I mean, you think about Timothy. Timothy had two godly women influencing his life, didn't he? His grandmother by the name of Lois and his mother Eunice. And Paul, in writing to Timothy, talked about his genuine faith. How'd that happen? It wasn't by accident. I can tell you how it happened. He had a godly mother and grandmother that sat down with him and they taught him the Word of God. You remember what Paul said, 2 Timothy chapter 3? And that from a baby, from infancy, you have known the Holy Scriptures. So we're trying to develop a heavenly mindset, and we're trying to instill within our children that same mindset, aren't we? To understand that our citizenship is in heaven, as Paul would say. We are bound for the promised land, but we want to take our children with us, don't we? We want to make sure that we're all in the presence of God, that we're all together one day. So to nurture our family. I think about Joshua in the long ago. When Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Wasn't that same sentiment expressed by Abraham? Remember what God said about Abraham? I've known him, that he'll guide his children, his household after me. So number one, our faith. Number two, our family. And think about it like this. If we're trying to nurture our children and point them in the direction of Almighty God, is that not going to also help to build our faith? When we read and study and pray with them, is that not also aiding our faith? Sure it is. It can be a family thing. Now there's a third thing. Number one, family. Number two, or rather number one, our faith. Number two, our family. And number three, our finances. Now really what I'm talking about here is our job. We all have a job. You might be retired. It might be the case that you're in school and you don't have a job yet. But let me tell you what, you'll get one one day in all probability. We have a lot of responsibilities on the job, don't we? So, in terms of priority, a lot of response. Some people have greater responsibility on the job than others. But the key is to be a steward of our time and of our treasures. That is the money that we get. And by the way, when we're on the job, are we not to live as a Christian so that people can see Christ living in us? I mean, we don't just. Compartmentalize life, do we? I'm a Christian at home, but I'm also a Christian on the ball field. I'm a Christian if I'm out in the woods. I'm a Christian on the golf course. I'm a Christian on the wherever. Why? Because that's who I am. To remember who we are and whose we are. We belong to God, don't we? sometimes if we're not careful, we can become so preoccupied with work that we neglect our family and we neglect our faith. That's a terrible thing. It happens. I have talked to people in the sunset years of their, of their life, Individuals who have expressed to me they're hurt that in their younger years they spent more time worrying about their job than their faith and their family. All I'm saying is don't let that happen to you. I want to live without regret, don't you? So to understand finances, our job, our workplace, very important. But then there's a fourth thing, very quickly. It has to do with our fun. That's recreation. The Lord Jesus, on one occasion, instructed the disciples to come with Him so that they might rest. They'd been busy, they'd been working. You look at the life of Jesus. There's a little phrase that's used in the book of Mark, for example, that's somewhat characteristic of the Lord. When He would say, let us. In other words, we got another place to go. I can just see Jesus going from town to town, city to city, person to person. The Lord Jesus Christ was interested in the souls of people. But He also understood something about the need for rest, or what we might say, downtime. I think the Lord wants us to enjoy life, don't you? Didn't Peter talk about those who would love life, see good days? Are there things that you enjoy doing? I'm talking about wholesome activities. Are there things that you do in this life that give you a rush? I mean, you just love it. Well, nothing wrong with that. Now, the danger sometimes is if we allow those fun activities to impede our family time and our faith. We don't want to do that. Here's what Solomon said many, many years ago. A merry heart does good, like medicine. I think every day we ought to find something to smile about, don't you? We always focus on the negative, and we talk about the things that are going wrong, and I get it. But every day we ought to find something to smile about. Jesus I don't think the Lord Jesus walked around with a sour disposition, do you? I don't think that He had this axe to grind with the world, this get out of my way and stay out of my face. No, I think the Lord loved people. And listen, when we talk about fun, isn't it the case that when you spend quality time with your family or friends, isn't it the case that that can, bring, that can bring a lot of enjoyment to your life? I mean, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't family or friends, isn't that a blessing in life? I mean, to be around people you love and appreciate. So, in the realm of recreation to enjoy life and to find those things that you do enjoy. So to try to find something to smile about in life, find something to laugh about. Again, a merry heart does good like medicine. There's some things that just make me laugh. Don't they, you? Every time I watch Barney Fife on the television, I laugh. Every time. The guy was a genius. I'm just saying, you know, when you're having a bad day, find something or someone to cheer you up, to enjoy life. One day we're all going to be gone. And people are going to reflect upon how we've lived. And they're they're going to remember us for something. Don't you want to be remembered as a happy person? As a person who found joy in life and joy in Christ. I think that's a reality, that we can live in such a way so that when our name is spoken, people smile. I can tell you this, there are some folks that I have known and they've been gone for a long, long time. But every time, every time I think of them, it just brings a sense of peace and satisfaction and happiness to my mind. I loved them. And I love being around them. And here's the great part. I'll get to be with them one day. So, are you walking in wisdom? If you're here today and you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to become a child of God today. As Paul said, redeeming the time, making wise use of the time, today, right now, this hour, you have the opportunity to become a child of the living God. Did you know that? Don't let that get lost on you. You can obey the gospel today and leave here. Remember what, it was, said, remember what was said about the eunuch in Acts 8? After he obeyed the gospel, he heard the gospel, he believed it, Repented of his sins, was baptized into Christ, and the Bible says he went on his way rejoicing. Paul would write in Philippians chapter 4, Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. That's the life of a Christian, to live a life of joy. And so if you're here today and you're not a Christian, why not begin that journey today? To do as they did on Pentecost Day, to repent, be baptized, let God put you in the church, Acts 2, 47. Be faithful one day and spend eternity with Him. Isn't that a wonderful thought? If you need the prayers of the church today for whatever reason, maybe your life's not what it ought to be, and you need prayer from God's people to help you get back on track and to live as you should and to use your time wisely, could we pray with you and for you? And God will abundantly pardon. Won't you come as we stand and sing?